0: Well, you notice I did not say, how can I make my spouse like me more? I said, how can I make my spouse more like me? Well, there's a tendency for us to want others to see the world in the same way we do. I mean, that's true all around us. We, we like the things that we like, and we want others to do the same. We want them to like the same restaurants, the same food, to have the same views and the same values we do. What if you're living with someone who sees the world differently? Well, we'll talk about that. It's a common question. Well, you are listening to the 48 Days Radio Show, where each week we take 48 minutes to dive into real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, who you want to live it with, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Incidentally, these are real-life questions you're hearing. If you've got a question you want to uh Hear us talk about here. I'd be delighted to review it. Just shoot that in to at 48 dayscom Well, here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today. How can an older construction worker develop new sources of income? Dan, how can I find new coaching clients? I'm going to give you some tips from somebody who just completed our mastery program. Can my wife read books online and make money from that? All right, how can I persuade my spouse to see the value in setting goals? And of course, we got some good news and a whole lot more questions. Quotation for today comes from Eleanor Roosevelt, who said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And to kick us off here, got our weekly poem from our buddy Cliff Feitner. Cliff says, when you look at the way that you're bent, you can do things for which you are meant. Your passions and skills will pay all your bills and other great blessings are sent. Love that. Thanks, Cliff. That's a brand new one. Cliff just added into a blog post this week, but love the poems that he's created for the 48 Days message. Always inspiring and challenging at the same time. Well, our sponsor today is FreshBooks. You hear me talk about them. They always have a free 30-day unrestricted trial to my listeners. To claim it, you can just go to freshbooks.com 48 days, enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Let me tell you a little bit more about FreshBooks here before we move on. So you're racing against the clock to wrap up three projects, prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to Life as a Freelancer. Challenging? Yeah, but our friends at FreshBooks believe the rewards are so worth it. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for being self-employed. Now, to meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. You can create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. Set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and get paid up to four days faster. You can see when your client has seen your invoice and put an end to the guessing games. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com 48 days and enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section? Well, we got some good news as always. Um starting to get good news tips in from you, the listeners, which I love hearing these stories. Here's one from Kurt Wizzleben, who is a listener from Anchorage, Alaska of a financial advisor up there. Listen to this. This is amazing. Dan, I had the great pleasure to be a groomsman in a wedding for two friends of mine. The bride's son, Tristan, had died almost two years ago at the age of 19. Due to his injury, he did not survive, but he was able to donate all of his major organs. About six months ago, the young man who received Tristan's heart reached out to Becky and Kelly to say thank you. They struck up an online friendship. The young man, Jacob, lives in California, and Becky and Kelly live in Alaska, so they had not been able to meet in person. As a surprise gift to Becky on their wedding day, Kelly flew Jacob and his aunt and uncle up to Alaska for the wedding. As the wedding was about to start, Kelly stopped the wedding to make a statement about their love for Tristan and the empty chair up front that was set aside for him. Then he introduced Jacob to Becky. It was an amazing surprise. He was overjoyed by the presence. He became our sixth groomsman. We all thought it was a special moment. And the photographer did a great job capturing it. She posted the photos on her website that night. And within two days, the site had over 18 million hits. Within a week, over 30 million hits. And calls were pouring in from all over the world. Jacob is a wonderful young man who was immediately the newest member of a very loving family. Kurt, thank you for that. Peace. What an amazing story. Kurt was a groomsman in that wedding. I went through the little video. It is really gripping. It's so moving to see. Here's a gal who had a son die unexpectedly, but his heart was put in another 20 year old. Her son was 19. The new recipient of that heart was 20 years old and is now doing really, really well. And he was there and they spent some time together. Even shows her, the mother of the son who donated the heart, shows her with a stethoscope listening, with the things in her ears listening to her son's heart beat inside the body of another young man. Great story. Love it. Thanks for submitting that, Kurt. Here's another one. This is kind of just an amusing story. comes out of uh, Ontario, Canada. Um, Amusing bureaucratic debate has arisen in Canada after a retired mechanic took it upon himself to build a $550 staircase on a dangerous local park trail, which is substantially lower than the price tag the city originally estimated. When several members of the Ontario community had fallen down or gotten injured on the rocky Tom Riley Park path, local citizens contacted the city for a price estimate on a staircase. Now, this is just, this is a city park and there's a place where people come off the street and go down under the park trail. And it was kind of rocky. There's a picture of it and it just was not a easy thing to navigate. So people suggested a stairway. The city estimated that it would cost taxpayers somewhere between 65 and $150,000 between $65,000 and $150,000. So a guy in a community just found several other neighbors offering to help finance the stairs. He hired a homeless man to help with the project. Within a matter of about three hours, they had built the stairs for roughly a cost of $550. Now, though the initiative caused some controversy among city representatives, saying that there's no foundation and the incline is uneven, Community members are already thanking Astle for his work, saying that it has made the path substantially less dangerous. You know, isn't it frustrating to <laughs> have bureaucrats come in? Now, you know, I'm dealing with a little issue here at the sanctuary. As a matter of fact, got a construction attorney meeting me out here this afternoon to continue this saga. Because the city has decided that the barn where we've been having events for over 12 years somehow doesn't meet codes. And they have informed me without any lack of clarity at all that they have the right to tape the door shut or to condemn the building and require me to bulldoze it. Uh, it's uh, certainly been an effective building for a lot of years, but uh, it's what happens when you run into bureaucracy anyway, won't go down that path, but it's nice to see sometimes there's just a simple solution to something that seems complex. And I'm expecting the same thing to happen here as well. We'll somehow get through this life goes on again. what does this make possible? Well, I got a resource that I want to share with you. And that is a book that I recently learned about called giftology written by my now friend, John Ruwan. He's now my friend because I read the book and I said, I want to talk to this guy. So I did purchase copies for everybody in my mastermind. Then we had John come in and talk to us about that. But it's just new ways to give gifts well. Now here's an example. You know, when we go, Joanna and I go away for our annual Chicago trip we come back right that week before Christmas, and we usually, because of the time of year, have a counter and table full of gifts that have been sent in that period of time. John doesn't allow his clients to send anything between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Why? Because it gets lost in a shuffle. It just gets lost because there's so many things. His phrase is surprise and delight. You know, Find interesting ways to surprise people other times during the unexpected times. And the other thing, another thing that he's really big on is don't make the gift all about you. Companies are notorious for sending you a shirt, a mug, a pen, a mouse pad with their logo on it. Well, that's not a gift. It's all about the company that's giving it. They're wanting you to help promote their company. So true gifts don't have the company logo on them. They're for the person, the individual. So anyway, we've had a lot of stories that kept come out of that. And it's totally uh, transformed gift giving for even Joanne and me, the way that we look at it, the things that we do. So yeah, I encourage you to pick it up. Giftology, I'll put a link to it in our in our resources also got a link in there. I'll put a link in there as well. Uh, Infusionsoft is offering 27 email templates. Now, some of you aren't in a position where this makes any sense at all, but a lot of you are growing companies where you're offering coaching or courses or doing seminars or workshops and you're sending out emails. There's a lot of garbage going around out there. I mean, I get amazed at the garbage emails that I get every day from people who are trying to manipulate, con, scare you, Surprise you, trick you, you know. Oh, don't do that. But these these are real solid email templates, 27 email templates you can use right now, and they're free. I'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. All right, let's go to the questions here. Dr. David Powers, longtime listener involved in the 48 Days community. David years ago got me one of the original copies of The Strangest Secret. I had talked about what a big impact. That audio recording had on me when I was a 12, 13-year-old farm kid in Ohio, how it became kind of a foundational principle for my life. We become what we think about. But I had lost that recording over the years, and he got one for me. Had it beautifully framed. Have it hanging here in my office. But anyway, we've been connected with this a long time. Uh, David says After a hard reset to our lives, too much debt that we need to get all Dave Ramsey on, and a move back to South Carolina, I now have a new five figure year consulting client in the construction business. And I have a question for him. He's getting older and wants to work outside less, but still make an acceptable income. A hundred percent of his income comes from services, for example, remodeling jobs. And I want to help him develop other income streams that use his 30 year old business experience and expertise. I was thinking maybe info products similar to the lady you've mentioned who used to sell doll clothing and now sells the patterns. Any ideas? Well, sure. Let's just throw some ideas around here a little bit, David and a lot of others of you looking at the same kind of situation where maybe you're used to working with your hands. I mean, what do you do when you're a mechanic and then you get older and you can't do that anymore? Massage therapist. I mean, think about the things where people use their hands for really great services, but as you get older, it may be more difficult to keep up that pace. Certainly a legitimate question. Now, the lady that, um, David is referencing is, uh, Oh, her name is uh, cinnamon. Jason and Cinnamon Miles, uh, they have a site where they were selling doll clothing and Cinnamon was having a hard time keeping up with making all the clothing. They had this epiphany where they now sell nothing but patterns. So you do it yourself. She shows you how to create the beautiful clothing that she makes for her kids' dolls. And they, they are extremely successful in that space. Yeah. So it's a, it's a real good example of that. Now, informational products are a possibility, but what I find David is, is that a lot of older construction guys are really not very comfortable just moving to the online world. You know, they're so far behind the times in terms of being online and knowing the software programs, the ways we have to communicate, sending these advanced sequential emails and all the things that we do today. So it's, it's really kind of a stretch. So there is merit in kind of how you're thinking. What could this gentleman do that would use his unique construction skills, but not have just the kind of intense day-to-day requirements for physical labor? Now, certainly there are things like, you know, instead of making birdhouses, you know, sell the patterns, make one, make it really good. There are people who have done that with uh, gazebos, or we've got on our property here, uh, a little greenhouse, It houses our water filtration system, but it's really a little greenhouse, very attractive from the outside. And I saw that as a pattern and then actually had a gentleman come who put all the parts together and actually constructed it for us. So there's things like that. But now there's other ways where you can move out of the daily work that this gentleman may be doing And just leverage your expertise in knowing what it is that needs to be done. Now, I know from experience that getting somebody to do remodeling jobs, small construction jobs right now, is almost impossible. When I ask people, you know, I'll go to four different companies and say, you know, I need new siding on a barn, Or I want you to put a new roof on my barn. They'll say, "Well, that's fine. You know, we'll get to you maybe in three or four months." They're so backed up with work. There's so much demand, and it opens the door for new opportunities. Recently, I was at my brother's auction of the little farm he and my sister-in-law have had up in Ohio for over forty-five years now. They sold that. A young Amish kid bought it for eight hundred and forty-seven thousand dollars. It was mind-blowing. But this kid has four or five roofing crews that he manages. So he lines up the work, knows how to bid them, but then has other guys that actually do the work. I mean, moving from doing the work into just supervising the work is a way to really leverage construction skills. There may be something like that. Let me give you a couple other examples. Last night, Joanna and I had the pleasure of having dinner with Robert D. Smith, who is manager for Jerry Jenkins and Andy Andrews. And with Robert D was Andy's oldest son, Austin, just getting ready to go into his senior year in high school. He has a business. He has a contract with the city where they live, where he manages, takes care of all the citrus trees in the city. He's been doing that for several years, his other entrepreneurial businesses. Well, here's his newest one. He makes custom knives. He showed them to us. So he takes wood and then makes custom knives. Now when I say he takes wood, he takes wood that has meaning. Here's an example. Recently there was somebody who brought him a baseball bat who that it was been that it was a really significant possession of a gentleman who recently died. I mean it was like his it was what identified him. It was this baseball bat. He took the baseball bat, used the wood to make knives for family members. Now think about the legacy involved here. These are not just a commodity, and that's what you have to move toward if you're going to leverage income. Don't have just a commodity. Do something that really has unique value and meaning. Austin is doing that with his legacy knives, and that's what it's called, Austin Legacy Knives. So he gets a A piece of wood that has some significant meaning to a person turns it into a knife that can become an ongoing daily utensil in a kitchen, but with a lot of meaning behind it. And they are gorgeous. They're spectacular. I mean, it's like uh, the lady who did the carving in the cedar tree on our property here in front of the sanctuary, Aristotle. She released this gorgeous eagle that was in a cedar tree all along previously just a kind of an old plain tree, not very attractive. Now she could, with her carving skills, sit down on the park here in Franklin, Tennessee on Saturday mornings and, you know, carve with the old guys and make whistles. But instead of just doing that, she found one unique application, that being these beautiful, beautiful carvings that she does. And you can see her work. You can go to Carvings for Christ. That's Terry Brasher's site and see the beautiful, beautiful work that she does. So I would, I would encourage you, David, to help the guy look for unique skills like that, that he has, that could be turned into something that continues to generate significant income rather than just cranking out the work, one more bathroom remodel or new cupboards in the kitchen. This comes from Angie. This is an ongoing question that I get. It's a Dan. I'm a coach, but I'm having trouble getting new clients. My website is up and I'm posting on Facebook twice a day. People opt in for my free tips on goal setting, but don't follow through by requesting coaching. Well, let let me just give you some tips and we've got lots and lots of great examples, primarily from people coming through the 48 days coaching mastery program who have proven their savviness in making this happen but uh, there are people who are doing what you're doing, Angie. You have a beautiful website up, you have some kind of a lead magnet, like a goal setting process, but that doesn't necessarily lead people into giving you money, especially if the money is significant. I mean, they can get your free tips on goal setting, but then to present them with a $2,500 coaching package, that's a real big leap. You got to have something in between there to lead people down that value ladder. And that's, not a term original with me, but it's a term that we use to how you can lead people through a purchasing sequence to more expensive items. But let me give you an example here. Just recently, Marianne Renner who lives up in Aurora, Illinois, the second largest city in Illinois next to Chicago. She just completed our coaching mastery certification program she has doing doing some things that absolutely blow my mind, and I've been coaching for twenty five years. Let me give you just a quick rundown of how she laid out her goals for the remainder of this year, July through December two thousand seventeen. How she laid out her goals for the remainder of her this year: scan local businesses for news opportunities. She does that on Tuesday. Create a list of forty area businesses to approach for leadership training. Doing the disc strategic planning, forty area businesses. So, and she's got a timeline on when she's going to do that. Make five calls weekly to business leads. Follow up with 18 city leaders. Ask for referrals. Human resource leaders. She's got a conference that she's going to do uh, in just a few weeks. She's got that laid out. Identify and contact 15 business associations. Do a weekly blog and e-news. Facebook post twice a week. Follow up phone calls or specialized email messages with her database members. 10 times weekly, intentional going to social events where she has the intentional purpose of engaging with people about career and business. She has online workshops scheduled for September, October, November. She's going to write an ebook. She's creating a gratitude journal. She wants to book 10 speaking engagements with at least 50 member audience in each. She has a small group online coaching that she started on Wednesdays. Now, let me, this is a killer. She is a very valued employee high-level position with a company. She's working full-time. She's doing all of this on the side, but when you think about the things she's doing, let me give you a real quick example of one specific thing that she did recently that has just opened the floodgates. There was an election for a new mayor in Aurora, Illinois. She was familiar with the four candidates. She went to several of the the rallies leading up to the election. She heard this gentleman who then became mayor of the town. She heard him say in a rally, you know, I appreciate your all support. I'm, You know, you, if I get elected, you any of you can call me and I'll take your call. Hmm. The day after he was elected, Marianne picked up the phone and called him. He did take her call. He remembered her name from being at a couple of the rallies. She says, what's your vision for the city? And he started to tell her, and she said, can we just get together and just kind of chat about this? He said, sure. They got together. She says, what's your vision for the city? And he laid it out. She says, how are you going to accomplish that? He said, I need strong leaders. How are you going to accomplish that? I mean, listen to the sequence of just questions. How are you going to accomplish that? He says, I'm not sure. She says, are you open to some help in creating those strong leaders? She posed the question, had him state the problem and offered the solution all in one short conversation. She just recently did a half day workshop for the 18 highest level community leaders, chief of police, chief of fire, 18. Commun- she did a half day workshop. The mayor says, this is amazing. We need to make sure each of these people are maximizing their leadership ability. She said, I can help you with that. She's now doing individual coaching with those 18 key leaders and is now scheduled an all day workshop for them. Again, that's snowballing into, but think about what she did. She picked up the phone the next day after the guy got elected and called him. Now that's a lot different than just putting up a website or doing Facebook post or updating your profile on LinkedIn. That's a whole lot different. I I recently had somebody else in our coaching mastery program, you know, say, wow, it's been six months. I've been working on this. I've got my website up. I got my coaching packages fully identified and I have never had a paying client. I said, I want you to close your computer, shut the thing down, go down to a local coffee house, hang out for the afternoon and talk to people. You're way more likely to engage a paying client by talking to people face to face than by simply hiding behind your computer because you got a fancy website. I mean, don't do that. Anyway, I love what Marianne has done. Uh, her site, incidentally, is Renner Life Coaching. Her last name is R-E-N-N-E-R. You can check out, you know, she's got a beautiful website, but that's not a big deal. That's not what's been generating her business at all. It's her out there talking to people face to face. And from that, she's getting massive number of requests for coaching workshops, lining things up. Uh, Just did her first speaking engagement, got paid extremely well and uh, is positioning herself to do that more and more. But it's developing very, very quickly because of the intentional action that she's taken. Well, I hope that helps a whole lot of you out there. Now, Aaron says, uh, my wife has a passion for reading children's books. She has an idea to start a vlog around this passion. Now, vlog, V-L-O-G, just is a video blog, which those are very common, very popular these days. She plans on writing a blog to accompany it. I would love to hear any ideas you might have to monetize this idea. Also, do you think publishers would give permission to read books for the vlog? Well, Aaron. A uh, couple couple ideas here, a couple things. I think last week I mentioned that somebody was reading No More Dreaded Mondays, and in that they read about Jim Hodges, who reads old history books, and then in doing so he creates products that he sells to homeschoolers primarily and has a solid six-figure income from doing that, has been doing that for several years. So there's that idea. Now, the key thing in that is that he reads books that are in the public domain. That means the copyrights were not renewed or they're books that were written prior to 1923. So there's a lot of value, a lot of wealth, gold mine out there in the public domain, but that's what he uses. So there's no issues about copyright and all that. When Aaron, when you talk about your wife reading children's books, if we're talking about current children's books, no She's not going to be able to do that. The, the publishers are not going to give her permission to read those in a vlog and create money in doing that. No, it, it's clearly a copyright issue. If you use the content from those books, they're going to expect it to turn into income based on that book, that book's message. The message is copyrighted. You can't do that. I mean, even if you, if you hear a politician give a speech on the radio or you, or you hear you know, somebody do a three-minute interview and it's just a recorded interview. You can't take that content and use it to just reread it even because it's copyrighted by virtue of them doing that. So this is a very complex area when you get into reading books that are current content. Now, if you go back and you find, you research and you get books that are in the public domain, that's a totally different story. Yeah, you can do that I mean, there, if you, well, I don't have it handy here, but Aaron Kerr is very active in our 48 days community. And he has a, a little course. It's a very inexpensive little course on finding things in the public domain. And he's the one who took Anne of Green Gables stories and just compiled them put them together, and um, he made $29,000 in about 90 days from people paying 99 cents a piece for that compilation of Band of Green Gables. He didn't add anything to it, but it was information that was in the public domain. So if you do that, if you get books that are clearly in the public domain, yeah, you can do a lot of things with that. But get educated on what is in the public domain and what is not, because the last thing you want is somebody showing up saying that you've been selling content that is under a currently valid copyright. Well, hey, I mean, let's just uh, pull this up here a second while I'm thinking about the next question. Next one's a biggie. We're going to roll into a big question for today here. But with the music there, just a transition to remind you, you're listening to real life questions here from the 48 Days audience or anybody listening. If you got a question you'd like us to discuss here, I love unpacking these. You know it's a highlight of my week to, on Wednesday morning, open that magic email bag where I see all the questions that have been submitted, along with the hundreds and hundreds of requests for podcast guests or doing guest posts, You know, it's interesting about that. Well, (laughs) let me finish my thought here. If you have a question, certainly I'd be delighted to um, look at that as being part of the mix on an upcoming 48 Days radio show right here. You can just speak into the microphone when you go to 48days.com and click on the podcast. There's always one there so that you send an audio message or you can just send it directly to me as an email at askdan48days.com. Make it condensed, keep it compressed. So I don't have to weed through a long, long, long one to get it on here, but be delighted to do that. the 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 funny thing about me having that email address that I talk about here each week is how it tr- attracts people with other kind of requests. Probably about sixty percent of the email I get at this point is not questions like you all hear me reading here. You know, my wife has a passion for reading books. Can she do that? I don't. Know. It's not that. It's I, I need to be a guest in your podcast. And it's amazing how bold, aggressive, and demanding so many people are. I want to be a podcast in your guest. Can I be on next week? And it's somebody I never heard of. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, how audacious is that? Um, somebody that I don't know. And you know that it's very rare that I ever have anybody on. And if I do, it's somebody that I've nurtured a relationship with or was profoundly impacted by a message from. But I get, and it's not just the guy in the street who are sending in these requests. It's publishers, it's media companies, HR directors, public relations firms who are saying, hey, we got this guy just wrote a book. You know, he's famous. You need to have him on your podcast. Well, if they took three minutes to even listen to my podcast, they'd realize it's listener question based. It's not interview format. But without doing that, and what that tells me is they're just going down the list. Hundreds of podcasts, just hammering them, thinking that somehow something will stick to the wall. It's a very, very ineffective approach. And most of us who have podcasts, um, you know, simply delete, 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 you know, turn up our nose at that. And even if it comes from major media companies, if it's CBS, NBC or whatever, you know, they're just going through this mass approach, knowing that podcast listeners take pay attention and take action i mean yes we know that i mean terrestrial radio is much much different today than it was a few years ago so advertisers are realizing you know it's pretty tough to get noticed on terrestrial radio a couple of reasons for that is one is um, if you are just listening to country music or whatever it's not what we call forefront radio now, talk radio, if it's Rush Limbaugh or Dave Ramsey, I mean, those are talk radio where it's forefront radio, where people are listening, where ads on something like that tend to be listened to as well. Well, what are podcasts? Podcasts, we are listening. We're paying attention because a host is hopefully sharing great information or people's stories that have our attention in the forefront anyway. So then when an ad come on, it comes on, it gets attention. Advertisers know that. They stand in line to get on there, and you hear a whole lot of things moving in that direction. Well, anyway, just an update there. If you have a question, your questions are the primary thing that I pay attention to when I go through those emails. Believe me, I need to have some kind of a sorting system. I've talked to one of my assistants, we may do exactly that. So I only see those that are questions that are relevant to being on the podcast rather than all the other promotional pushes and gee, I need to do this. And gee, Dan, you need to do this. Okay. Well, let me get off that high horse and go to this question. We may end with this one. This is important. Tom says, how can I persuade my spouse to see the value in setting goals? Dan, I've been listening off and on for several years. Really enjoy your message, especially your consistent optimism. Here's my question. Recently, I started rereading Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. Now, that's T. Harv Eker's book. Great book, Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. And part one was an eye-opener for me. This section of the book talks about the mental programming each of us have based on how we were raised, the lessons we learned about money from our parents and the circumstances of our youth, I grew up comfortably middle class in a stable home with educated parents who had good jobs, lived with a budget, saved money, and had goals that they achieved, such as paying for my college and having a fairly significant vacation every year or two. On the other hand, my wife's parents were poor with little education. They moved constantly and were usually in desperate survival mode, wondering where money was going to come from to pay the bills and buy groceries. Fast forward to today, we're both around 40, have five beautiful and healthy children. The problem we seem to be facing is that she's still in the survival mindset where each day comes and goes with very little forethought about tomorrow, next week or next year regarding income opportunities, child rearing or personal goals of her own. I've tried asking her to read books, listen to podcasts, and I routinely try to start discussions on the subject of how critical it is to set goals related to various areas of our lives but my efforts have not been successful and we're just continuing to tread water financially stable, but not working together to move ourselves and our children toward anything in particular. Do you have any advice on how to break this cycle so we can start building a better future for ourselves and set a good example for our children to find their passions and build a life of meaningful work. Wow. Lengthy one, I went through the whole thing because it was so meaningful all the way through. Tom, thanks for that. And I'm sure you've framed a question that a lot of other people have as well. Now, a couple resources here. One is about two years ago, Joanna and I did a podcast, perhaps our most listened to, d- downloaded podcast, and it's what if my what it's what if the negative person is my spouse? I had talked about There are times in our lives we recognize there are people that we need to move away from. As our success continues, there are often people, sometimes very close to us, family members, who are not sharing our enthusiasm for that and will try to hold us down. And there comes times when we need to move along away from negative people in our lives. Well, the elephant in the room, the obvious question was, what if that negative person is my spouse? So we dedicated a podcast to that. And I'll link to that in the show notes. It's just, you you can search for it in podcasts. It's, what if the negative person is my spouse? But I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And kind of a recap of what we talked about there was to recognize that security is not just money in the bank. I mean, emotional security includes affirmation, support, and encouragement. I mean, those are things that you want with you and your wife, no matter what the issue is financially. Another point, acknowledge different personality styles there's not good or bad, right or wrong. They're just different. And Joanna and I, in that episode talked about our personality styles are exact opposites in every way there. They just are. We knew that very early on my goal in the marriage and Joan's as well. But my goal explicitly was not to make Joanna clone of me, but to embrace the uniqueness that she brings to the table I mean, there are things that have been transformative for me because of Joanne's influence, her desire to have fun, you know, to have parties, to be lighthearted, to bring art and beauty into our home. Whereas my tendency is to be very, you know, utilitarian, get the job done and move on. Well, I love that about her. I don't want her to change those things. So uh, be careful about wanting somebody to change, to be like you. There may be value in the unique perspective that your spouse has <clears throat> you might look for the fear behind the negativity you know usually there is that you know if there's resistance to like goals as an example there's something there or resistance to being strategic about having more you might get yourself no apparently she's not too thrilled about reading books and you can't just lay them on her side of the bed at night, but you might want to read. Gay Hendricks book, The Big Leap. In that, he talks about the upper limit challenge. There are people who have been raised as your wife, as you described your wife having been raised, who have an upper limit challenge, who really have a sense of what they deserve. And so when money comes in more abundance, there's almost a sabotaging of that. We see that played out a lot. I mean, Joanna and I have dealt with that. I mean, she came from, she, she grew up, her mom was on welfare most of the time she was growing up and they at one point lived in a Quonset hut. Now that's like the top half of a tin can with a dirt floor. I mean, they lived in that. She grew up with that. So her approach into having more, having nice things, having nice house, nice cars, nice furniture, nice clothing, you know, beautiful kitchen. And all You know, that's a process of growth. To move into that it doesn't just happen overnight and you don't just accept it because it's there you have to change your mindset in being prepared for that so mindset is a big issue when, when you, you you mentioned that the mindset issue it's kind of a mental preparation based on how we were raised and we all have that i got a note that i shared last week in the podcast here from dr steve Curdy, who his lead uh, his lead in line in giving me a testimonial now, what has been, I think, six years later, Dan coaching, Dan coaching with you was a complete mental remodeling. God, I love that kind of image of what coaching can do, a mental remodeling. So if she's open to that, you might connect her with somebody outside of you where they can bring in that outside perspective. I uh, Recognize not hitting a goal is not always failure. It might be the very step required for your ultimate success. There are a lot of things that, that we can categorize as success or failure and in the long term may not really be seen as such. I mean, sometimes we've had people that have come to live events here. Well, I expect somebody who comes to a live event here to in the next you know, 12 months, absolutely rocket what they're doing to get a 10 times return financially and just absolutely rocket. Well, that doesn't always happen you know, we'll meet somebody three years later and their life is pretty much the same. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I failed. And then they'll tell me about all the wonderful things that have happened in their life, the wonderful things that they're doing, that they're exploring. And Joanne helps me frame that understanding that what they did here was part of their journey. It wasn't transformational overnight, but it was part of their journey. And she reminds me about how in the early days we went to events where we didn't transform our financial success in the next 90 days, but it was part of the journey to get us where we are today. Well, the fifth point that we had in that episode was listen more, talk less, let your actions convince your spouse rather than your words. Now, even in the area of, of money, now this gets into some areas and you know, a lot of you are Dave Ramsey fans. And of course, Dave's a, you know, dear friend of mine has been for years and years and years, but, I we, Joanne and I've done some things that work for us personally. One of those is in finances. One of the best things that I ever did that we did together was determine an amount for Joanne to have every month. So on the first and the 15th, I automatically put a set amount of money into her personal account. She can do whatever she wants to do with that. She can take people to lunch, which she does all the time. She can fly grandkids to our house. She can go shopping. She can get her nails done, her hair done, anything she wants to with that money. doesn't matter what the flow of business up and down income is in our business. That's my area to deal with. That's my responsibility. But I'm going to make sure that that money is there for her if I don't have money to pay the electric bill. Now, fortunately, it's not usually that kind of a decision, but... I would do that because it's that important because that gives her the freedom to then not have to come to me and say, well, gee, Dan, can I have, you know, a hundred dollars to go get my hair done today where she has to seem like a a first grader, you know, to come ask me as the income. No, we don't do. I don't want her to have to do that. Now, that's not something. That Dave Ramsey recommends, you know, having separate checking accounts like that. I mean, she has her own account, and then we have a joint account. I don't have an account that's just mine. Now, certainly we have business accounts, but um, we have one that's hers, one that's a joint account. She has access to both of those, but she uses her own account for all those things where she doesn't have to ask me, you know, what our cash flow is at all. That was a lifesaver to our marriage. And I absolutely think it was one of the best things we ever did. Now, Again, a lot of you may have a different plan. That's fine. Do what works in your relationship, but make sure that you figure that out. Now I want to, I want to add just a little bit more here and we're going to wrap it up. You ask as well, you know, you have five healthy, beautiful kids and you want to be setting the stage for them. Now I have right now, I have three grandsons who have been incentivized to read three books this summer. The books they're reading and the the grandsons are 10 12 and 22 years old three different grandsons the three books that they're reading and giving book reports on are the power of positive thinking by norman vincent peel how to win friends and influence people the old classic dale carnegie and the magic of thinking big david schwartz Now I just got an overview of the magic of thinking big that my 22 year old grandson, read. It is phenomenal. I mean, it could be a master's thesis with his insights that he got from that book. So you can start with the next generation. Even if you don't think your wife is on the same page entirely, start feeding your kids the kind of information that you know will help open opportunities for them in the future. I mean, when I, when my grandkids ask what kind of job they should expect, have when they grow up i tell them not to worry about it i mean the jobs they'll have haven't even been created yet just follow your curiosity and your passion i mean have fun explore learn how to solve problems i mean dig deeply in understanding yourself through reading books like this nurture your spiritual faith develop great people skills do everything with excellence those things will open the door to finding or creating work at any age that is meaningful and profitable. You're never going to be dependent on the economy or the government, but you'll have the complete freedom to live out your dreams and make a positive impact in the world. I mean, I believe that from the top of my head to the tip of my toes. And you can do that with your children by just exposing them to things that are going to help shape their thinking, You know, help them Ask questions, be problem solvers. I mean, <laughs> I love there. there's a story and it's, it's true from Richard Branson. He says, my mother was determined to make us independent. And he says, when I was four, she stopped the car a few miles from her house, made me find my way home across the fields. Four years old, she dropped him off a couple of miles from home and said, find your way home. Now, uh, you know, she was a very loving, kind Mother, and he talks about that a lot, but she wanted him to be independent. So she didn't just coddle them and make life easy. Now, having said what I just said about what I expect my grandkids to do, you know, don't worry about what kind of job you're going to have. You know, we don't even know what those are going to be, but explore, have fun, all those kind of things. My son, Kevin, my oldest son who hosts the Zig Ziglar podcast, you know, sent me a note right after that. He says, Your 17 year old granddaughter, Eliza, made $260 over five hours at the local farmer's market yesterday doing Facebook and Hannah, Ian, who is 12, and Canyon, 11, made over $100 with natural wood signs. Serene, who's eight, made $53 selling gourmet rice crispy treats. And Nakoda, who's seven, made over $50 selling little wood signs. Thanks to you teaching me business, I made a good sum for my business that I ignored as I was supporting my kids. Thanks, Dad. Well, what a cool kind of thing. But I'm confident that my grandkids can get through those early years of jobs coming and going, or the wide swings in political systems, or the ups and downs of the stock market, because they're learning real-life skills that transcend jobs. You can do the same thing with your kids, Tom. Tom. I mean, I I feel for you in the position that you're in, but look to the next generation as being your legacy as well. Even if your wife is not totally on board with you, look at the opportunity you have as daddy to those five kids and the things that you can do. Wow, what an amazing opportunity to be able to do that. Well, hey, just one last tip and I'll bring the music up and we'll be finished. Three things that kids need. Great relationships, great conversations. Ask them to think. Ask them to come up with solutions. One of my granddaughters, Clara, Joanne, my wife, just helped her enter a just through the Tennessee Electric. There's a little magazine that we have here from the Tennessee Electric Company, and they have contests for kids in art. She entered a contest for 10 to 14 year olds, and they have hundreds. They said they have hundreds of submissions. From 10 to 14 years old, Clara is 10. Her artwork that she submitted, that she did under her Yaya's teaching, got first place. I just yesterday got a, they, they sent to our address here, since Clara's family is traveling full time. They sent $50 and a certificate. What a cool thing to have a 10-year-old be able to do. She's out there stretching, trying, doing things. That's what will give the next generation the tools to be successful, to achieve whatever they want to achieve. And it's not always just more money. Success comes in many ways. Success is the progressive realization of worthwhile goals. I know you understand that. Thanks for the questions that keep coming in, for your participation in the 48 Days Eagles group that's growing every day. We're having a blast over there. I'm doing a lot of open calls where we have a chance to just discuss things. Delighted to have your participation and contributions there. But thanks for being just part of this global community where we know we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.